You're listening to the Road to Wisdom podcast, weaving stories told by wonderful minds about all things motherhood, health, intimacy, politics, nature, and everything in between. Join us on an adventure discovering unique experiences that we can learn from to enhance the ways in which we live. We are your hosts, Chloe and Kishia. Welcome everyone to the Road to Wisdom podcast. Today we have the beautiful Kim Sexty in. She's going to share with us her three birth experiences, um, probably just briefly with the first two, and then her third birth experience, which was an unassisted home birth. <laughs> home birth. <laughs> Some people call them the F word. Um, but it's, yeah. <laughs> but it was beautiful and, and yeah, something that me and Chloe like hearing because, well, I force you to listen to <laughs> I say you like hearing. <laughs> I do like hearing them. I'm all about it. I just have a lot of like questions about things. I'm like, yeah, but what if, what if, what if, what if? Because this happened to me. I'm definitely flattening out my experiences mm. through these conversations as well so yeah. it's very helpful and that's the thing right so obviously you know Kashia, you're a friend of mine and I knew about the conception of this podcast before it was you know even birthed and so we spoke about it and you're like yeah I'd love to have you on and then you you know you've gone out and done the thing and it's great and then a month or two ago well you were like yeah can you hurry up and come on the podcast we need a really boring birth story <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? she's like, to balance out all these like controversial <laughs> topics that we're just, yeah. and I and I laughed, but I'm also like, yes, please, like, mm. can we, can we continue to share more stories like this, mm. so that these births, these unassisted home births, these free births, these whatever you want to call it, are no longer considered extreme or too rogue or too out there that they actually feel very nondescript very uneventful very just like oh yeah she just burst a baby normal boring free birth yeah (laughs) yeah like so but and and that for the most part like if we lived in a society that that you know we didn't have medical systems and we didn't have hospitals and we didn't have medical assistance the majority of births would still be just normal, very uneventful, boring. That's how I described Rosie's birth. birth. Just very uneventful, <laughs> and very normal. Yeah, and and I'm, I'm, I'm the just same. At home, and then my midwife helped me put my pants on, and then <laughs> I went to sleep. It's very great. <laughs> well, yeah, when you were like, go briefly into the first two, and then I'm, I'm like, Janda is my third baby. Is the most. I'm like, I don't really have much to say about that. Like, it was pretty, pretty standard, but pretty standard. <laughs> Yeah, but so I really like really appreciate this because as you both know, these stories are being censored, mm. which is bullshit because it doesn't empower the woman at all and mm. it normalises intervention and mm. power trips and all those things. So thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. Thank you for coming on mm. and sharing with us because, yeah, these are the stories that we want mm. to surround ourselves in and just bathe in especially in the phase of life that me and Chloe are in. So (laughs) bring it on. All right. So let's begin. Let's begin with your initiation into motherhood. So Uh, my initiation into motherhood was not planned, was not conscious. 
Um, although there was a layer of that. It was, um, yeah, I'd just been dating my now husband. We'd been dating for four months. Our oh. first, had our first Sounds holiday. familiar. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it relates so much to the birth I had with her and I really want to speak to that. But yeah, like we went on our first holiday to Bali together and we're like, okay, so we're a serious couple now. And then we fell pregnant. Um, but it was, as I'm sure you know, really challenging because we had to understand each other. Like real quick. Real quick. Yeah. And shit changed real quick. Like, you know, um, I went from being this real fun, easygoing girlfriend to being, you know, this boring girlfriend on the lounge couldn't do much and um he changed he changed a lot and yeah this was a theme for us in our relationship but I I really love the energy that we're bringing to more um rites of passage and awareness for women but I think my husband's a really great example of the lack of support for men going through a huge rites of passage too. And effectively, when we first started dating, he was like this, I was a yoga teacher at the time. He was like this fit, healthy yogi that would practice yoga every day, was meditating, very aware. I fell pregnant. It sent him in a spin and effectively he turned into the complete opposite of that. And was an alcoholic, smoking durries, severely unhappy, was no longer surfing, barely, no longer doing yoga. And so I'm like going through my own journey myself, but also being like, holy fuck, this is the what man. What has happened to what you? The, yeah, this is the man I'm meant to be having. I don't think this is going to work. And so I was also dealing with a lot of doubt too. And it obviously played out in the birth I had for for my first daughter who's Taya um yeah and it was just a real I don't know how do we how do I want to segue into that but yeah we were effectively fighting (laughs) as I was initiated into birth and that's the energy I took into the the birth room and it was felt in my body my whole I was a scared little girl who was holding on like this, like my body was just not opening up. In in all that, before we get into the birth, mm. did you do, like coming from a background in yoga, were you able to look into birth and like did you do any the classes I, or research? Uh, we or? did we did a she births course, okay. which um, I'm now friends with Nadine, the owner of that, and that was really great, but that was enough for me. Yep. Everyone prepares differently and I'm very much someone who like the less I know the better. I really like to wing things um, and I felt like reading more got me more in my head and actually I wanted to be more in my body. Um, but I definitely – it was funny because I didn't want to read the books but I also was severely lacking any sort of support and that's why I'm so passionate about supporting friends who are going through this rites of passage to bring in the wisdom of the women who have been there before and um, – Yes, I was going into it very naive. Mm. I think I can relate to that. But I was Mm. way, I did way less than a she birth school. I did absolutely nothing. Like, I was just like, all right, well, I guess it's happening. (laughs) I don't want to know. It sounds scary. It's just burying my head in the sand. Well, I mean, it was essential for us to kind of come together 
and to mm. feel like I had his support. But also the narrative I got told about birth was less than ideal. And so I really was aware of that. Like my dad continues to say, your mother was like the exorcist when she was giving birth. Like <laughs> it was horrific. Yeah. And so I really wanted to, I was aware that I had to kind of unravel that slightly. Didn't. Uh, it took a few pregnancies to do that. But yeah, I definitely had work to do in that arena. So how then did you know you were in labour? How did that start? Um, I It's so funny. So my bestie who lives on the other side of the world just so happened to be here in Australia and um, I remember saying to her, she was over, I'm like, God damn, this is the fifth time I've got to change my undies. Like I keep weeing myself. And she's like, mm. Well, oh, I think you have a baby. Yeah, she's like, I think you're weeing yourself, babe. I think that's <laughs> your water's leaking. And again, I had this idea that even though I did this course, that you, you know, you're meant to have this yeah. big gush. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And I continued to go about my day. Um, that it was Christmas Eve, had a fight with my husband. He went to bed. I was extremely emotional. It was a full moon and I was in labor, just didn't know it. And we lived on the coast at the time so I took myself on this big beautiful coastal walk and was like chanting and crying and uh, all those things and then I was watching the hunger games and I started to get like period pain and a ritual for me on Christmas day is to ocean swim and I remember thinking oh I don't think I'm meant to swim in the ocean because remember back then I was still like good little maiden Mm. it was like what are the rules you know (laughs) um and I'm like I don't think I'm meant to swim I should probably check so I called the hospital and they're like, oh, yeah, how long that has that been happening for? Your water's kind of – and I'm like, oh, a few days now. And they're like, okay, well, just come in and we'll check. And so I woke my husband up at the time, was not met with a very – like he was not happy about that. And I'm painting him in a very bad light. Like <laughs> Jesse's he, actually a really nice guy, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> we're married now, yeah. like three kids in. We've both done some healing. It, we're going to get there. We're going to turn yeah. this around, I yeah. promise. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not so evil. <laughs> also, Jess won't be listening to this. He's so not going to be listening to a birth story. <laughs> but just in case, like, other people are like, she should have left him. <laughs> um, yeah, and so we were, yeah, driving to the hospital and I was fucking I mean, in my head. I'm like, fuck you, I'm going to be a single mum and bring this baby into the world without you. And he's probably still drunk and shitty at me and like driving us to the hospital. And I felt safe there. Like they checked. Oh, I arrived at the hospital and there were two girls I went to school with. And I'm like, hi, I haven't seen you in a while. Check out my yoni. (laughs) And it was fine because I'm a very open person. But that was funny. Um, And... And then they're like, listen, yeah, you're like one centimetre, you can go home. Um, but it was Christmas Day and I actually felt safe in the hospital. It felt like the only sure thing I could cling to as opposed to all the chaos of the day, everyone and my family making a big deal out of it. In hindsight, I wish I didn't because it just made the mind game of birth so much worse. But um, I ended up staying there and, yeah, and then getting the birth process taking its course Um, and it was intense and from I think yeah two centimetres I was purging at both ends obviously had a lot of shit to clear out of my system and that went on for a really long time what felt like an eternity and I remember begging them at one point and being like check me 
And they're like, oh, we don't need to check you. I'm like, check me. How far? Because I was like so exhausted. Didn't prepare. Like I bought some clothes but I didn't think to eat or hydrate or anything. Mm. I was just, again, this new little girl, like a mm. well, young little girl going to hospital um, thinking I'm getting something checked out, you know. I wasn't yet prepared for, oh, yeah, I'm having a baby. And so, yeah, I did like my, my – to. My dad talked about my mum being the exorcist and I was like that from the get-go, just like <laughs> and, <laughs> but from really early on. And so when they checked me and they were like, oh, you're not going to be happy with what we're going to tell you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and they're like, you've dilated one centimetre. And I'm like, I'm fucking out. I'm out. <laughs> like I'm not good at maths but I know that I can't do that. Like if that's meant to go on for days, nah, nah. And – and, yeah, my beautiful midwife by then arrived because it was Christmas morning but a bit more of a reasonable hour so it was like 8 a.m. or something. I was there at midnight. And, um, again, that's just such a reflection of how scared. Like I just see this little like energetic figure in my body, this poor little girl just being like, oh, my God, like holding on for dear life. And my cervix was a reflection of that just like no not ready I'm scared I don't know what's going on I don't have support mm. um and so yeah I was and my beautiful midwife was trying to convince me she's like you wanted a natural labor <laughs> you wanted a natural birth and I'm like, I don't fucking care <laughs> and so I waddled back to the um to the out of the hospital the birthing suite and into the hospital room and begged for an epidural and upon reflection I'm I'm so grateful for that I actually don't think my body would have opened up because I was so petrified Mm. and so when I think about the options it was either I get the epidural where I'm kind of somewhat disassociated from my body and the drugs do the work to relax me or I continue to brace and hold on which will eventually lead to them going and cutting me open. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for the way that played out. And, um, yeah, and then that allowed me to sleep, me to eat, my husband to sleep and sober up, um, which, I mean, yeah, he probably doesn't even, yeah. Um, but I remember thinking that. Like, this is good. This is yeah. good. Um, and, yeah, and then she, she came out into the world on Christmas Day. And it was love at first sight. Like, you guys will know. It's like, you, I've mm. seen you before. Hi, baby girl. But oh, it, my God. Yeah. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> you get to add that again. <laughs> I know. But it also did, like, somewhat awaken this because – you know, like I had that you, you're my the love of my life and um, I will protect you at all costs and, you know, the stuff with my husband and I, Jess, my, my partner, didn't automatically go away. It was still there and he was still drinking a lot and, I mean, it's in this culture it wasn't a lot, you know, mm-hmm. it was just accepted but I knew and I knew it had a control over him and I knew it shifted him and I knew the intention behind it was not healthy. Um, and so it did awaken that lioness of like, l- yeah, looking You're at You're not feeling safe, secure, like you need to jump into this unnatural mode. 
yeah. of non-feminine mode. Well, like hardened. it was more just like looking at her and being like, I will fucking protect you at all costs. Mm. I do not care what that mm-hmm. looks like. You are my priority, not anyone else or anything else. And yeah, it was a beautiful thing to awaken, but I still, as I moved on to my second pregnancy, I still very much felt like made. I don't, I only feel like I was activated into full mother energy with my third. I felt like I was still a maiden as a mother of one and then two kids for for years, Mm -hmm. which I don't know whether you can relate to it or relate to that. Yeah. I mean, we were like, you were the same age as me, right? When you had yellow. So it's not super young, but it's also like. But like also I think there is a cultural aspect of when you go into like it is like culturally it I felt that I was quite young still mm. um, and there's an aspect there of when you go like like the motherhood looked tainted from where I was pre-motherhood. It looked mm. like like not just stressful but almost lazy like it wasn't like before and this was before I was a mum <laughs> but it like I kind of judged it and I think because my own mother held those judgments as well mm. like being just a mum mm. was definitely not enough and it wasn't so like to to do it like while I always had well, not always actually that would be a lie to say but when I met Togga he had said that he wanted kids and that was the first time that it had it like you know I was like oh okay and that's the first time I really considered having children and then and then you know six years into our relationship or five years into our relationship I was like well if we're gonna do it I don't want to be an older parent Mm. I want to like be young my parents were young that's what I want um but yeah there was still this thing of like I don't know there was always like little things at school where people no one at my school was like oh excited to start a family like you're excited to start a career and if you were a young person going into wanting to have a family it was looked it was like frowned upon somehow Mm. it was kind of like a lesser state of being I can relate I remember up until like I was almost giving birth I was trying to do work in my degree yeah how old were you Chloe? I was 25 when I got pregnant with Bird. Yeah. And I was like mid-degree and I was like, well, this is such a failure. I can't believe that I'm not going to be able to get this done before I've had a baby. Like yeah. I, this is not going to be – people are going to be super judgmental. And even after I had her, I was like, oh, I'll try and sign up for a semester. I'll try and at least do like three subjects. I'll try yeah. and do this because like obviously it's important because like what am I going to do? I can't just be a mom. Yeah. And, and I think – there's a conditioning mm. there that you 100%. hold on to your maiden. But it doesn't like feel it's right. It's not like, oh, I need to prioritise that. I need that. It's like I can't wait for that. It's more like, oh. Or it's, no, it's more like. It, there's a, it's a, a division within yourself. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's definitely a conflict. It's like I don't really want to do it but it's an ex, uh, it's expected of me. Mm. Mm. As opposed to what you're doing now. As opposed to like, wow, look at that baby right there in front of me which is 100% my priority and nothing else. Yeah, yeah, and that's beautiful too but as opposed to what you're doing now, you're doing the thing but it comes the energy in which you mm. approach it is differently. It's totally. like, no, because this is creatively fulfilling for me and it yeah. actually makes me a better woman and a better mm. mother as opposed to feeling like you've got to to prove 
prove yeah. ourselves prove as women. Oh, and yeah, I, and I don't know, there's, I don't really have the words for it, but there is like this holding on to your maiden, to being a maiden, to being able to go out all the time. And that's what me and Tucker did. Like four days postpartum, we went out for oh, lunch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say you went out. No, out. no, no, no. no. <laughs> they actually went <laughs> on a weekend bender. Yeah. <laughs> four days postpartum. No, but like we did, we went, we went out for lunch. It was Tucker's birthday. We went to a pizza place and we had the, we had Willow in a little baby bassinet and everyone was like, oh my God, cute baby. I'm like, don't breathe on her. <laughs> I know though. Um, <laughs> but you know, it was four days postpartum. There's no way in hell I would think that like now mm. I'm prepping I'm like I, do that I was the same but it was a different like I was yeah so I lived on the coast op- opposite like this beautiful coastal walk and five days postpartum I was like walking but it wasn't this thing of like I need to get my baby body back or it was more like I'm a fucking miracle and mm. I created this and I want to <laughs> show it off and so I'd be like hey like I'm, I'm the only woman who's birthed a baby before <laughs> like look what I in. I made this and she's perfect. She's better than all these other babies. <laughs> like just so rose-coloured glasses. Can relate. Absolutely can relate. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely had that energy. But also for me, like, yeah, the only person I had prior to um my baby was my best friend, but she was on the other side of the world. So I didn't really feel like I had any mothers around me to kind of lead the way and and put me in my place but give me guidance I'm like oh, mm. you don't want to be munching on celery sticks and raw carrots after you've just given birth you know mm. <laughs> so I felt yeah I felt really lost yeah. I think so many of us can relate to that yeah mm. so many even like pregnancies following the first I yeah. could still relate to that totally for sure and I think now we're at this interesting point where we've got so like a new mum has so many beautiful resources, podcasts, books. Like even when I think back to what we had eight years ago, like mm. so different. Nothing. Nothing. I didn't even know you could do a home birth. Like I yeah. really just thought that was for the proper Total backyard lunatics. hippies yeah. who didn't shave their legs or their armpits. <laughs> now look at you. <laughs> you really tick those boxes, girlfriend. I do. I feel like I'm going into an archetype. <laughs> I shaved my armpits today. I'm like, because she would not like this. <laughs> No, I'm I'm down for all. I am down for all. It's really more out of being lazy. But <laughs> um and you know, testing my husband a little. <laughs> Do you still love me now? Do you? Um no, but I um oh god, I've lost my train of thought. You were we derailed that. No, no, no. You were talking about thinking that home birth was for Oh yeah, hippies. yeah, yeah. And like I just never in my wildest dreams would I have ever like I didn't I didn't even Google home birth because I was just like, no, that's not a thing. You go to the hospital to birth a baby. And yeah, but like, you know, I, I mean, again, we'll share it one day. Um <laughs> talk about it in my to. Home you see me too. I know. But like I do talk about how, you know, in my in the back of my mind, I was like, I like just hate hospitals. So if this baby just wanted to like pop on out, because I had heard of stories of people accidentally birthing in their cars and stuff. I'm like, well, if I was accidentally in the bath and Mm. baby just popped out, sweet. Um, Yeah, but again, this is all stuff that we, like the resources, well, they were probably there, but you really had to search for it. Yeah, you totally, I remember. privileged enough to be able to afford it. Like we had a private midwife from the first baby and she was like, are you interested in home birth? And I was like, I'm a bit too scared for that right now. Maybe next one. Mm. Yeah. But that's not available for 
Allah. That's like you have to hunt and and you might be lucky even if you can get her that she's available, you know. Yeah, so the yeah. resources aren't, they're slim pickings. Mm-hmm. Totally. But what I was going to say, like the resources are there now, but mm. I don't think it penetrates on that like deep connection level for mm. the young mum who's wandering around pregnant, going for walks, listening to a podcast, like great information, but it still feeds here and not the heart of really mm. feeling held and supported. Mm. And so that's what I'm just, I'm, I'm wary of when I see young women who are pregnant, like of how can we bring more of that like deep connection in? Yeah. Mm. And, and like that does, it comes person to person. It's a good, that's a really good point to make. Yeah. 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 And I mean, my, the mother's group that I did after my daughter was like the best thing ever because I had that. Mm. And so, yeah. That's so valid because I feel like that really resonates for me. Listening, I could listen to a million magical pre-birth stories or, you know, looking at into things because I've personally got just – I'm not worried about free birthing happily would – I've more or less done it but – and not had, you know, like any interventions or scans. I can cool with that but it's more like afterwards is where my um, – trauma comes from with having babies who need care after. Mm. So um, I feel like that's so true. It's hearing it and knowing it but then feeling like you can really trust that is a total different thing and then walk the path mm. and, and I th- totally embody it all. Totally. And also Kashir was such a great guide for me in that. Like I really do – I credit you. No, tr- truly I do. And we'll get we'll get to Janda's birth but like – you really reminded me that I can play this out however I want and I can do it in the system but do it my way. Mm. And so, yeah, like I'm, I, I say free birth because, I don't know, fucking unassisted home birth is a bit of a mouthful. Mm. Um, <laughs> but like to the, to, to the hectic pure free births, mm. they would poo-poo me because they're like, oh, you didn't. Mm. Or like if we got into semantics. But, yeah, like I used... I use certain things that worked for me and mm. I didn't for others, but we can go into that. But mm. yeah. Maybe we do like a, a brief little Nashies conception <laughs> pregnancy birth. Yeah, I mean, well, again, un- like we didn't plan him. Um, he just happened and we're, we're sitting with another extremely <laughs> fertile unit over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he happened and I think for him I really – I think it's what we experience in the birth is so connected to the personality of the baby. I don't know whether you feel Mm. that at all, but like for me, Nash is very quite sensitive and feels things. And I was just so emotional, like all my things were coming up and I knew to explore them. I didn't know to, I I knew better than to push them down to, or to dismiss them. And so even the slightest little whispers, I learned to pull at that thread and unpack them and they were necessary for Jess and I to come together and heal. So poor guy, he got everything, all my concerns, all how I hate him, all how I question our relationship, all these sorts of things, but they were bubbled up to the surface for me to heal and it brought us together. And um, his birth, Nash's birth was... Oh, the most magical. And after his, I was like, oh, my God, now I know why women want to do this a million times because it was just magical. Like we, yeah, this spontaneous, the waters didn't break. He was actually born on call, like mm-hmm. in the sack. Um, 
but I knew to pre-labor at home. I was set up in a beautiful home. I was feeling more stable in my relationship. I felt very heard. I didn't necessarily, this birth was um, navigating if he could step up to support me in the way that I wanted. But for the point I was at, I felt heard and I felt seen and we made love when I was birthing and that was a very spontaneous organic thing. It wasn't like, I'm birthing, make love to me now so we can kick things on. It was. A, I've done that, by the way. <laughs> which you sure, but like it was Your just. This is not an object. <laughs> it I was know, just a beautiful, like <laughs> a beautiful, or like he was attracted to me and it was just, and I credit us making love during labor as being the reason his birth was so beautiful and it's such a contrast to Taya where I was petrified and holding on embracing and my body was a reflection of that to making love feeling wet feeling held feeling seen feeling open Mm. and he just came out like we we went to the hospital because I lived in a boxy apartment in Bondi back then so I'm like I'm gonna like scream the house down it just doesn't feel private to me but I did all the labor at home and literally just transitioned in the car went there no vomiting no spewing and I went there and I just did one oh I'm gonna be, be sick and then I was like oh no not I'm like oh I'm just gonna go to the toilet went to the toilet thinking I was about to wee again no like huge diarrheas or anything and when I sat on the toilet I let out this like guttural animalistic heave kind of you know, Roar. sound, Roar. the sound, the sound, the sound, yeah. and they were just like, "You're not going to the toilet. You're having a baby. Hop in the pool." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." And three pushes, and I didn't push. He, he, you know, fetal ejection reflex. Yeah, yeah. I feel weird saying that. Uh, <laughs> it's just ejects so from you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and three, and he came out, and he was yeah, born in his sack, and it was all beautiful, and. That was, it was incredible. I think what led me to change the story was the birth was beautiful and amazing and undisturbed. It was the the afterbirth where I felt a bit like, get out of my space. Like they rushed me out of the pool and then the, the um, doula was there. She met us at the hospital. She kind of didn't do anything, um, but she was there like in my face, like you did it, you did it. And I'm trying to bond with my baby whom I didn't have that initial with Taya. I was like, you, hi, we've had lifetimes before. With Nash, I was like, oh, oh. And I mean, now that I look back on it, shock definitely played a part in that because his birth was just so quick. I was still in Mm. shock. So I was still kind of coming down from the heavens, but so I was really trying to like deep eye gaze with him and connect him to me and and this duel is in my face and then the nurses are like, ready for your vaccinations now? And I'm like, oh, my God. Like it just felt so mm. intrusive in that way. Mm. And so and that's what I was like, mm, that hospital birth was really great and beautiful, but I didn't like that and I want to change that. And that was my driving force for wanting to do it at home mm. after. But um yeah, that's it's just it was such mm. a beautiful birth because my energy was different. And mm. I think that's really important. It speaks volumes. It does, and I think when a lot of I've had so many friends who have kind of held through their birthing process and I'm like don't judge like the decisions or don't guilt yourself into how your birth played out because how are you 
how was your energy in that time? Like, mm. were you were you held? Were you supported? Did you you know that all plays out in your body? And and mm. we don't know what we don't know. Like totally. you just you're in that phase of life at that time, and you do the best with the resources you have. Like it's just not. Yeah, I think even you listen to the crunchiest of free birth like hardcore Mm. advocates and they'll you know they still say like you can't you can't know what you don't know Mm. and you can't research what you don't know to research and or like you can't blame yourself for not being where you are at today back then it's yeah and your experience leads to your evolution so because of that where I did not like that experience, mm. I was like, I'm going to do better next. And mm. it brought awareness to that. Mm. And so then I chose differently. Mm. So sometimes it takes multiple children together. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's just one after the, you take what you can and then you're like, oh, next time I'm going to do that differently. Like it's taken me, this would be my fifth to be like, I don't want anyone around me. I'm not mm. doing anything. I'm just going to but you Just do. You want me there? So. This one. She's <laughs> persistent. I'm pushing. I'm pushing. <laughs> she was still. So, okay. To give everyone some background, our your fourth baby, Poet, mm. your youngest in this moment, my youngest baby, Janda, they're a week apart, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Very close. I know how this story is going. She was still <laughs> pushing me. She's like, I'll, I'll photograph your birth. And I'm like, babe. No, go home you won't be there yeah and she's like no no i can do it i can do it i'm like um, waddling around she's, yeah she's obsessed like, with birth. i remember because i remember when you first moved up here a little bit of background for everyone could bore you to tears apologies <laughs> but when you first moved up here and we were hanging out down the beach and like i think i might be pregnant and i was like i'm a birth photographer <laughs> <laughs> and i wasn't pregnant at that stage but me and togo were trying yeah. um and i was like i'm like oh I'm like I was totally just like yep I'm <laughs> I'm gonna be there <laughs> and yeah. then and then we're like oh we're bringing it together and I was like I could still do it <laughs> oh no I, I, I think that was <laughs> I think that was the baby I lost actually before Janda but yeah I remember when I said that your eyes were you know, like I want to be pregnant <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you kept pursuing and I had to really be like it was a great insight into you <laughs> and how much you think you can do it all um, nothing has changed and I do it, do it all so. you do <laughs> you do and I'm very grateful for this baby shifting things I, I got so excited when I saw the other podcast where you were like meal trains I'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, she still tried to photograph mm. my birth. I'm like, babe, you will be in labor. I'm pretty sure you had Rue as a newborn and you were like, so I'll be at um, Rosie's birth? And yeah. I was like, no. Yeah, I was really pushing that on you too. I was like, no. <laughs> this is actually how I make my friends. I just like seek out pregnant <laughs> women them. and be like, Insert I'm going to be your- <laughs> at your birth <laughs> taking photos of your vagina. Just oh. So how far apart are you guys? Probably like a week. Maybe two yeah one to two ten days i calculated by your date yeah but because i think i'm ahead and i usually my babies hang out a bit longer and yours babies like to come a little yeah, earlier yeah, so. it could be the okay. same day who freaking knows like and she'll still <laughs> want to come from yeah. i'll be like i'm in labor i can make it <laughs> no i'll love. drive it's fine <laughs> We've joked about being in the pool together. <laughs> it's like a birthing tent. It happened. Why not? Yeah. Oh my gosh. The things we can do. Oh, okay, let's let's move on. Because yeah. now it's our normal boring free birth. Mm. <laughs> normal boring free birth, sorry. Very uneventful birth. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean You moved up here. So we Stop moved that. up here and 
yeah, fell pregnant again accidentally. <laughs> um, or no, that was like, yeah, we'd, we'd fallen pregnant accidentally prior to Janda and we still didn't know whether we wanted to have it and then um, whether we wanted to have another baby. And then obviously I felt the pregnant, I felt a baby in my womb and I'm like, oh my God, of course I do. Mm-hmm. Lost her. And so then when I fell pregnant again, it was like, it was semi. We're like, okay, we're going to do this. And so it was semi-planned. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I was like, great. I no longer live in an apartment. I know I can birth. I don't have any, you know, um, health issues. And I live in a beautiful rainforest home. Like, yes, home birth. So I, yeah, because she and you were, you were really like when I think a very casual but mentor for me because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm pregnant. I'm going to do home birth. And you're like, right. (laughs) (laughs) But what I soon became aware of was like, yeah, home birth is painted as this ideal, right? Well, I had that being from the city um, in a hospital system with the other births. I still realise very quickly that it's still the system. Like I thought that if I was home birthing, I could do it on my terms, buy my own clock, have my say. And I very quickly realised that it was basically the hospital system in my home. And I think that was amplified by we were pregnant when it was still covid shit. And so I was very turned off by that. Um, and... I think they red flagged me a bit because I refused to wear a mask and then the midwife would come to my home and I was very, um, very careful in how I approached the whole schmovid narrative with my children. So when they saw people with masks, I, you know, and so I didn't like that. I didn't like someone coming in my home with masks and so I would say something and the midwife would get her back up and I'm just like, ah. I don't want you fucking coming in with a mask, petrified that I'm like, you're red flagging me, you're breathing down my neck and bringing your negative, fearful energy into my home. And also I just, I didn't bond with this Mm. midwife. And Mm. if it was in a bigger hospital system, like I know with my, with Nash's birth, you know, in a big Sydney hospital, you're just like, I don't like her and you get given another one. But we're in a small Byron hospital that was the only midwife available to us. Kashir and I had been allocated the same woman. Mm. My experience was very different though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But I think, um, you know, I just, she just, there was an abrasion there and I felt like it was so, I was so aware that I still felt like a maiden and I think, you know, like COVID did, it really awakened so many of us. And I was like, oh my God, I've been so ignorant. And I was such a little girl for so long. And that whole 2020 process, 2021 and then 2022, I was finding my like warrior energy. And then I was like, well, sure as shit, I'm not going to let anyone bring me back down to that place of feeling like I I'm powerless and they know better than me that's not this is I knew it was going to be my final birth and I was like this is my last chance to really empower myself in this way liberate myself in this way prove to myself that I know better than anyone than what the government thinks they know of me, of the doctor that thinks they know better of me. And it was a story, it was very much a part of my karma because my whole life I've always been like everyone knows be- 
better than me. You tell me to jump, I'll ask how high. Like I was a very good little girl and I was ready to change that and rewrite that story. And so then when I was really trying to have this really empowering birth experience and then I had this midwife really trying to push me down and be like, I know best. And she was like Mm. a little bit older. So she was really trying to power trip me in that way. And I'm like, I'm not into it. I'm just Mm. not. And... That's when Kashia was like, you, you could just, you could just not have her there. I'm like, what, we were at like school drop off. I'm like, what do you mean? What, to go on, go on. I'm very here for this. Like, and she just, yeah, really opened my eyes to, I guess, a really clever way of, of playing it. And as we said before, we don't know what we don't know. And so I didn't like, I didn't know that you, you could navigate around this. So yeah, I, I I still played the game in terms of like still stayed within the the midwife system, um, knowing very well that I wasn't going to use them. And so obviously I had to prepare my husband for that and that was a process too. He was very on board with that, again, because we'd done so much healing over our um, like seven, eight years together by then. Um, but he did have... It was very important for me for him to feel okay with it because throughout COVID I still felt like I had I was dragging I was convincing him to be on my team mm. and I'm like I don't want I don't want to feel like you're kind of still judging me and thinking that I'm this extreme weirdo who wants to like go against conformity and go against a home birth and all these things like I want you to be on my team I don't want you to be feeling like you're being dragged and so he's like okay um I'm happy to do that I just need a few things and so one of the things he wanted to really know was like what are the red flags to look out for if something were to happen and um so we just watched like the free birth society has a big course and I didn't watch any of it except for that one segment that was like these are what are considered medical emergencies and that was really reassuring because for the most part Mm. they're not really emergencies that need to be dealt with with the extreme gravity of how hospital systems birth them I mean deal with them and then also ones to look out for and so Jess felt prepared in that sense he's like cool okay, I'm feeling good now. And I just reassured him too. I'm like, listen, I'm really not rigid. Like I'm a very open-minded person and I'm like all of us, all mothers, we're not going to willingly put our babies in danger. And so I'm like, Say it louder. <laughs> like, louder. Like. And so I'm like, listen, I know I can do this. I know I can do this on my own. But if I intuitively feel like something's wrong – of course I'm going to call an ambulance. Yeah, like of course. Like I'm not not trying to prove myself Mm. to the world. It's a a karma I need to rectify within myself. But it it was – it's also a a huge practice for me of listening to my intuition because for a whole lifetime I silenced that. And, yeah, so when we were birthing – and so, yeah, I reminded him that that I'm just going to go about and birth my baby and if there are any – whispers or or nudges or alerts in my body that something is wrong then of course we're going to make an action to feel that support and but it didn't Mm. (laughs) very uneventful I just like 
yeah, my waters broke. I was padding. I was, I just went to Santos with my daughter. We just went to the shops and she wanted to pat a horse. And so we were padding a horse and then my waters broke in this field where I was looking at mountains and I was just like, oh my God, my life's so beautiful. My <laughs> daughter's being so cute and I live in paradise. And oh, this is amazing. And I rent, went home and my husband was having a bath with our son and I'm like, okay, it sh- you should blow up the pool now. And it was just, yeah, I was making the kids dinner while I was laboring. And then I knew the moment I knew like I was getting intense was when I was kind of like sitting on the lounge, breathing through it. And my kids jumped up behind me to try and play a game. And I just turned around and went, <laughs> face palmed them. And my son just like was thrown back and looked at me like, Oh, I burst into tears. I'm like, I need to go in my cave now. Yeah. <laughs> like I was but beyond the point of like cooking my family dinner to like yeah. leave the birthing yeah. women alone in her cave. Mm. So I'm like, get them to bed. And then, yeah, I just labored. Jess and I, we didn't like make huge love like we did last time, but it was very intimate. And um, a girlfriend was there, not because she or another friend who wasn't pregnant taking photos of my birth. She let us be and hopped in the bath and yeah it was really intense much more intense than my second birth physically and and longer much longer Nash's birth I think was only like four hours and mm. as I said like that the challenging transition part was like half an hour so it wasn't and then yeah the pushing part the not pushing part fetal ejaculation <laughs> ejection <laughs> That's why I could never say it. That's the real ejection, mate. Ejection. Ejaculation. Don't worry. I always say it in my head too. I'm like, I mean ejection. Um, It's a stupid – wait, it's a stupid thing to call it. Definitely a man coined that term. But, yeah, so it was definitely much longer than the – Nash's birth and yeah like he's he was a big baby he's an earth sign like it was a real fire but like I was really feeling just the heaviness and the intensity and like I was shaking with every contraction and I had these like you know my salt lamps and my tribal music that I was like feeling like I was in an ayahuasca ceremony (laughs) I was just like and um but there at no point throughout the intensity throughout the physical sensations did I ever think I needed someone else Mm. I just I didn't she no one even come in came into my head the only time was when my husband went to fill up the bath water and my hand was empty and because he was holding it and then he went to like warm the bath water up and I was just there and my my girlfriend the photographer just swooped in and put her hand there that's the only thing I required Mm. and that was it and so it even didn't cross my mind. Like I had to be reminded when I was – after I birthed the placenta that my husband was like, should we call the midwives now? I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't – you know, I was already red flagged a little bit and then we were trying to play the whole, whoops, accidentally had a baby card. Um, but, yeah, there was none – it was just a normal – intense but Mm. I knew I could hold hold myself through it and I also knew that I could birth babies like I really do I don't want to poo-poo women who don't feel like that they're at that stage yet Mm. because I had the confidence because my other two births were very normal and no health complications Mm. um so I really don't want like my biggest pet peeve is 
infusing shame and guilt into mm-hmm. the birthing woman and the birthing world and I do see a little bit of that um, and so, yeah, I really don't want to be a part of that at all but it's just like I knew, I knew I could because I had that historically mm. and it was, yeah, and intense and then like all my babies, no tearing, no anything. I didn't push. He, I could mm. feel him very strongly because he was so big. He would like go out and then come back in and then go out and come back in. And I remember like talking to him. I'm like, what the f- Okay, okay, yeah. I see what you're doing here. All right. And, and I'm like, all right, I get, I get it. Thank you. Thank you for stretching, mummy. <laughs> so I didn't tear and yeah. And then he came out and he was, it was, he was silent for quite a while. But again, really resting in that mother mm. intuition of like, I just knew he was fine. And it took a, a little while and I did all the things, you know, tickled his foot, spoke to him, blew in his face, sucked his nose and mouth. And even in that point where there could have been tension, I just, mm. I, you know, I knew that everything was fine. So that's, so, that's actually a point to sit on. Sorry, I'm going to go jump first. in. Um, with babies, because like I don't think that in a hospital I've never heard of someone who's like my baby was born and was you know maybe maybe a little bit grayer or just not as alert or quiet um and I feel like babies that come out like that in the hospital system they they panic when they say that they're swooped up they're Mm. resuscitated but I've now been present at three births where babies come out and they're a little bit grey. Like not, my babies have all come out quite pink and screaming. Like they're not <laughs> – so I've not experienced that and it wasn't until I was taking photos at these births where um, two of them were home births, one of them was a free birth and, yeah, and their babies are, were really quiet, a little bit sleepy actually, mm. a bit floppy to be honest and I never – ever felt panic because the mum was like this is exactly perfect and I think there was actually one that was um trending on Instagram for a little while mm. where it was I a actually saw something baby. recently yeah and she it was like super floppy and, and mum was just like yeah doing her thing and it's actually interesting because like obviously one of my fears is like Going I, through the, wait, wait, go before you, I'll just finish. But, but like all these babies have been fine too. Mm. Like they're, and, yeah. they're, and I think that we haven't allowed it to be normal. Mm. But in, in the births that I have experienced and a few other stories, like anecdotal stories, it seems like that can be normal. And I think that a mum would know if it wasn't. If she was tapped into her yeah. intuition. Yeah. But that's the other thing, like, where I feel like, and I wasn't really aware of this until after the fact that I had Banjo and he was transferred because he wasn't breathing, that there's a whole primal thing that we've lost between our baby and us when they're born. And even just, like, breathing on them, like, a few times and, like, them having that, your breath and oxygen and everything is just, like, one of the most basic important things and just like the connection, the touch, just the the touching of like your mouth and just all the mm. things. Mm. And the An animal does that. A cat does that. A dog does that. A horse does it. Cow does it. We don't because we've just got our legs up in stirrups and somebody else is 
got the first. And think about like you know? a baby that comes out really calm like that mm. and the only energy they're feeling is mum's calm. Yeah. Mm. We're still connected, right? That. Yeah. Mm. And just like and it's just like I wonder the programming that comes behind you know, a baby coming out calm and everyone in a room panicking and there's this mass hysteria over it mm. versus like a baby coming out calm and everyone else is calm. Mm. Like what kind of programming does that set you up for in yeah. the rest of your I life? I think you, point, uh, you touched on a really good point though, Chloe, when you said we spoke about mother's intuition but you were like if the mother is connected and I think mm. that's a really – because like – sure as shit I was not connected to my intuition with the first time around because I was in fear state mm. and I do not believe and again we were talking about this off air but um you know I I'm a human design mentor and human design really helped me understand how my intuition speaks to me differently and it's vastly different to way the way it speaks to you but from what I've experienced and I guess I would love to hear your feedback but that you can't be feeling fear and intuition loudly at the same time and so for me to feel in tune to my baby mm. I really had to do the work to feel confident and safe to birth and to not be in this head noise of being scared about birth or, or whatever and I think that's also just a really important point to make I guess for women how important the work is, mm. the self-work and the understanding mm. yourself in the period of um, pregnancy so that you can go into not just birth but motherhood mm. feeling very intuitive because mm. I think like speaking to the fear and intuition piece because I like – I have a lot of energy <laughs> usually <laughs> at the start of the pregnancy, <laughs> not so much, but usually. And if if I if that goes unused, it turns into anxiety mm. and I can get very heady. And this is just something I know about myself. And so fears do come up for me in all of my pregnancies, mm. no matter what, what environment I've been in and I've gone through, you know, three pregnancies in the hospital system, one in the mid Wifery group program um and and I have to like I have to tap in when it comes to fear and intuition because you want that intuition to be strong and it can so be clouded by your fears mm. so it's really like I mean making sure for me my experience it was making sure that I wasn't dissociating from myself which in my first birth I'm, I am glad that I was in a hospital because I was so dissociated I would mm. just you know like if I felt really strong sensations I was just like I'm tapping out of this mm. like mentally tapping out absolutely um definitely had moments of wanting to be saved and then I had a whole bunch of moments where I just gave up mm. <laughs> entirely mm. and I think it's yeah it's making sure that yeah, when you're when you're coming at decisions, and I think I share this with a lot of people who are walking that free birth, and even like I've never gone technical wild like what people would class as wild pregnancy before, um, but people who are walking that as well, I'm like I talk about, and we've talked about this with Ria, like making sure that those decisions come from a really solid foundation not your 
rebellious adolescence Mm. (laughs) and Mm. not coming from your fear and making sure that you can, I guess, sift through that. Because, yeah, I mean, and I guess it's different for everyone, but in, you know, my last birth, I had lots of little fears come up. And, like, just before I gave birth to Poet, I was just like, why am I not in a hospital? Why am I not with an epidural in my back? And then she flew out, so... But it's interesting mm. that you just said that because like I've heard many women say that when they chose to fully walk the path alone without medwives, got that in my mind so I've <laughs> just listened to that potty, um, and, you know, without obstetric care, whatever you, whatever path you may have walked before, mm-hmm. but their birth was significantly harder every time. Like the, the more they let go and the more they just trusted in themselves and the more – they became more, you know, embodied in that power. Mm. The harder physically their birth was and the mental, like, this is, it felt harder. So I don't know, because you said your birth was harder, your last one. Mine was longer mm. when, like, I fe- felt like birdies and Pippa's was the easiest and I had midwife mm. support and I had a hospital backup, whereas the other two didn't have a registered midwife. I didn't have a hospital to back go to unless I called an ambulance mm. and I feel like they were harder I Bandos feel like it was longer like it took it was like an all-day thing and then yeah it was weird I feel like there are a few things and I know you are probably going to speak to Yolanda about this but like physical health for one mm, I know yeah. I was definitely at my fittest when I had Nash and it was a reflection but two I think it's that whole safety piece and mm. so bringing in safety and I speak to this all the time like when I work with clients it's like yes we expand and we grow but do it in a safe way don't shock yourself into because it's you're just going to throw yourself into like fight or flight mode and then you're not going to be embodied so like maybe having that mid med whatever you call it Mm. midwife support does bring that underlying Mm. level of safety or for Mm. me it was like really having knowing my husband had my back I'm like okay Mm. I'm held here like and for the women we bring whatever we need I think this is really important Mm. for any women birthing we bring whatever we need to the table to feel Mm. safe Mm. Mm. so that you can feel safe in your body enough to let go because that's what's required yeah to birth and yeah I totally agree with that because sometimes that isn't being alone in your house while your husband's running around looking after your kids and trying to be the – and we spoke about this a lot. I think we spoke about this with Rhea. Like, I mean, we talk about free birth a lot, but I personally am very for wise women attending births and supporting the mother, like that mm-hmm. authentic midwife. And obviously we don't really have them anymore, but there are a few. There are. And, um, yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing to have if that's what you need to feel, you know mm-hmm. – safe and held supported and it's also like you know what you were like I would definitely would have gone private midwifery Mm. had I could afford it but Mm. the fact was like I called around I'm like we don't have that money right now Mm. and so I chose to just do it on my own Mm. but I think I know so many women who have yeah called in their women and it was Mm. like a birthing circle Mm -hmm. and they held space and I think I that's think that's incredible. So beautiful, and I yeah. don't don't think birthing on your own, mm. like, or is better than birthing surrounded by an incredibly wise. It's really how you feel. Yeah. Like, it's, do it, you feel safe? Yeah. Do you feel like you can 
use your mouth and be like, you need to fuck off right now yeah. or you need to be here, you need to do that. And I, I don't know, maybe if we brought that same attitude into a hospital space, if that's where you're birthing, like you still need to be firmly advocating for like, this doesn't feel good, turn the fucking lights off, you all get out of here, this is what I need, righty, righty, right. Maybe that's also appropriate. And Absolutely. And I, when I was pregnant with Janda, I had a dear, dear friend of mine have a baby who needed medical attention. Mm. Like he wouldn't have survived. It was a very intense birth. And the way she advocated mm. for her and her baby throughout a six-month hospital journey because that's how unwell he was or sick or whatever you want to term it. But like she did it and like, yes, it was less than ideal because she's traumatised from it and she's mm. got some healing to do around it. But like don't tell me that my birth is like I'm more impact, like better than mm. my friend who just mm -hmm. fucking held her ground and told the midwives and the nurses no and like used her lioness vo voice. Like mm. to me I, she's... I'm just in awe of her mm. and all so many other women who have birthed in very different circumstances. It's all about I really do think how the woman walks away and feels within herself after. Yeah. And that can be done in a hospital, that can be mm. done, you know. I think I think it's too it's really good to know yourself mm. because I've and I'm man, I've learnt a lot about myself throughout my birthing experiences. So it, I guess if you're going into this the first time and you're like, I don't know myself. Well, you I will. was there too. Yeah. <laughs> you will by um, the time you're ready to have your fifth baby. Maybe yeah. not your first, maybe second. <laughs> um, but yeah, like me knowing that, uh, you know, in when I'm in a vulnerable position and birth is that for me, I can't advocate for myself. Mm. I can't. I'm, I will, like, I don't want conflict and I'm a very confrontational person in every other <laughs> aspect of my life. Um, and, I, but when I'm birthing, I'm not, I'm, I do not want to talk to you. I don't want. But it's not biologically possible. I remember my <sighs> girlfriend Nadine who ran the She Births call, she talks, I'm not a sciencey person, but she talks mm. about how the brain works and that, if you are to birth, that part of your brain turns off. Yeah, it, it needs to. It needs it? to. And, so. and I find, like, I really strongly resonate with that. Mm. Um, so I know that if I put myself in a position where there are others around mm. who have an opinion, mm. could influence, mm. whatever that is, I I will go along with that. And, I, mm. and that will actually happen, you know, in my last pregnancy where there were things that I felt really strong about like I really didn't want to get my irons tested really didn't want but our midwife who was also very strong and I actually I have fonder memories of her than you do <laughs> um but she was really strong and really um defiant and I went into that I don't want to upset you mode and I was like and and I went and I got my irons checked, um, but that was a it was a really great lesson for me because I was like, like you know, we I, I really really liked her actually. I thought she was great, but I and you know there was maybe even a point there where I was like, oh maybe I will invite her to my birth. <laughs> I never had the intention to. But I was like, oh maybe I will get her in. And then once that happened, I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like a hundred percent. 
absolutely not because it would have taken a lot less convincing for her wanting to do something or intervene with me in some way or even just a little like planting a little seed in my mind during and it was a long you know if I had have had that birth in a hospital I would have had intervention there is absolutely no way I would have had a baby in a natural physiological state so I yeah I think it's it's knowing little things like that about yourself as well and I know that my my lightness my fire is used internally to like get my baby out I can't I'm not yeah I didn't want the conflict it's good to know that about yourself though because you can just prepare Mm. Mm. as well as a person who would have the voice so totally it's just as productive and what you were saying before about like you know it comes back to also our individual path and our individual karma like this Mm. is part of my dharma is trusting myself and believing in myself Maybe part of your karma is to soften your opinion and mm. soften the way you do approach things. And you doing that with your midwife and being like, oh, okay, I'll go get my irons. That was really incredibly valuable valuable for you. You needed that to happen to evolve you. Mm. It, it all, mm. we all. Sometimes we resist it, but it's actually what we probably do need because there's an inner knowing in us that needs to kind of probably unravel does that make sense i know a lot of women who have had hospital births who were so adamant not to so adamant and i'm like maybe you needed this mm-hmm. to soften your opinion on the medical system and they're like absolutely i did because i was i hated it and i i was so anti mm. the medical system and now i see it for what it's worth and mm. i see that it does mm. so it does have value yeah yeah and like look I'm while I bang on about you know the industrial medicalized system and all its flaws and I mean I've experienced my own trauma in that I my son got a concussion the other day and started vomiting where do we go straight to the hospital Mm. so it's you know there's definitely value there and I know especially in my last three oh well like this pregnancy included in and then my last two I've been really really careful because you know I experienced a lot of hospital trauma with Humphrey's um you know during the Humphrey's pregnancy I've been really really careful to surrender to maybe that's where I'll need to go Mm. and making sure that I am very mentally prepared that if anything did feel wrong because that's that's actually a little fear of mine too like but having such a strong mm. like anti-medical stance and I don't want that to cloud my judgment or my intuition mm. so yeah it's that's look we could I could just we could harp on about this for days about yeah yeah um but all all things to consider apologies to our listener who doesn't like me harping on about stuff <laughs> Mate, they wouldn't Stop be here it. if they didn't <laughs> like them. <laughs> they would not be here if they didn't mm. like hearing your opinion. So, yeah. Uh, so, anyway. Mm. Well, this has been an excellent chat. <laughs> Thank you. You're um, Thank you. Thank you for sharing because, mm. yeah, it is beautiful. We need to hear these stories. This, they are so empowering. And it's, it's, I think, also really great to know that even though you had a, a 
you know, standard boring birth with gender. That's what you want, people. Yeah, but <laughs> there's still a lot of work that goes behind that and mm. there's still a lot of like thought and processes and, you know, when you when you got to that place, you were able to just sit in the beauty and wonder of it. Totally. I mean, and like I'm a very deep person, like it's always seven layers deep for me. So in every pregnancy when there's a little whisper, I'm like, let's unpack that. <laughs> so like, I, yeah, I did a lot of like work here and here on my soul to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was the birth I needed but it's not necessarily what everyone needs but it was mm. definitely I'm very grateful that I did that work on myself, that I wasn't afraid of the dark in terms of my internal dark and that. I really listened to my desires mm-hmm. of desiring a really empowering birth and I forged ahead with that because every woman deserves to have the birth that they know is available to them mm. and to walk away feeling. How do you think having a birth like that reflects on like other things in life? Because I feel like there's such a, what's the word, because brain cells disintegrating by the freaking week over here like there's clearly like a mirror of when a woman experiences that type of birth how she typically experiences other things in her life be it resolving conflict in marriage surviving marriage um surviving motherhood yeah (laughs) being like stepping into the role of the mother that you actually want to be versus like and you know there's so many of those things like all of the things that feel so hard in life like being able to overcome those feels I imagine feels it's like because it is the initiation it's like you have a birth like that things feel like a lot easier yeah it's the the ripple effect is infinite yeah and I see it yeah I finally feel like I am embodied in the mother energy that is very mm-hmm. grounded and very confident and sure of myself and can have I'm not a confrontational person at all but if it came to it with my my children then look out and I've only can say that because of how I held myself and proved to myself and going mm. back to what you were saying before about the stretch, mm. how every birth almost feels harder when you don't have, we get stretched to mm. our, where we're being called to evolve to, I think. Mm-hmm. And so when we allow ourselves to feel, yeah, it's like I've, I've heard one of a previous mentor of mine used to call it if it's scary and exciting, if it's that both of like, oh, my God, yes, but also, oh, my God, fuck, then mm. we've been stretched to that limit in point in time and so we know we can handle Mm. that you know your capacity I know my capacity and I know that I'm yeah and I'm of course like also third time round fourth time round fifth time Mm. round every child you Mm. get more and more grounded more and more calm more and more I don't know really (laughs) I yeah look I'm approaching this like anything could happen I could go and decide to have a planned cesarean (laughs) no but I mean in terms of parenting oh yeah again I don't know (laughs) poet's pretty like I started off like so aware parenting like like yeah we've decided that like full 50s vibes (laughs) discipline is where we're at now (laughs) (laughs) like back to the 1870s whipping yeah (laughs) no um but like like with Willow no one was allowed to say no to her Mm. if anyone said no I would be like Stop that mum. Why was that mum? Like, like, don't you say, use negative language around mm. my baby. Then I had Humphrey, because, you know, me and Togo were like, yeah, we do this perfect, blah, blah, blah. Then we had Humphrey and we're like, 
didn't do it perfect. Lucked out with that one, not with this one. Um, and and then found aware parenting and then was like all about listening to the feelings. But now, you know, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to listen to your feelings. Mm. <laughs> I know you've got them. Can you find another way to switch that around? Because like and when it's important, obviously, I'm mm. there hook, line and center. Uh, Hook, hook, line, and, and sinker. Sinker. Um, sinker. <laughs> like center. It's center. I am not the perfect person for you. Fucking right brain <laughs> over here. Um, it's okay. Together we make a full body. Do we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly. Um, but yeah, I, you know, there, my parenting is definitely evolving and it's coming in more, you know, one, consistency from me, but two, like boundaries around your big feelings because as, as they get older too, you actually need to start learning how to hold your own feelings and how to process it and all of that. And it's it's hard because I've got multiple ages mm-hmm. and I bring the energy from you treat the first your two year old like your eight year old. You're yeah. like shit. Sorry. I mean, I can't cater for everyone. Look at you. There's five of you. <laughs> Not yet. That's also <laughs> like got a little, I'm getting used one, to saying it. It's their karma because you know po- poets gonna be like, oh, I fucking hate that I've said karma that many times because like I feel like Buzzword. people are eye rolling me. <laughs> it's um, okay because they can do drinking games and karma can be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But like also, you know, when you were saying about, um, you know, you don't have time for the emotions, that's also bringing the fucking humanness to it. Like mm. I I know I'm a great parent but I also tell – I never thought I would say this but like tell my kids to stop crying mm. when I've like I, – I have courses on using human design as a conscious parenting <laughs> tool and I tell the you emotional – Yeah, and I'm like tell the parent of the emotional – child to like validate their feelings I also am sometimes I'm just like shut the fuck up Mm. but guess what I circle back around and I'm like hey babe I'm really sorry I said that before Mm. mummy's also human and I'm feeling my emotions too like yeah you just you Mm. I think you expect perfectionism with your first Mm -hmm. two Mm. and then you slowly realize that the way you mother your children you've also got to mother yourself and mm. so you're like oh babe it's okay you're fucked up there but it's okay <laughs> just the same way you're like oh you bumped your knee let me cuddle you you know yeah 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 no absolutely well on that note shall we where can people find you especially if they are more interested in human design <laughs> karma all the time um <laughs> I, I play mostly on instagram kim sexty underscore S-E-X-T-Y is my surname. Um, and, yeah, I do. It's a great surname, DT Dogs. <laughs> you know what they used to say in, high, um, in primary school? I bet all good things. Is your middle name isn't? Aww. And I was like eight and I'm like, what? What does <laughs> that even mean? I know. <laughs> um, well, right now, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I'm eight. Yeah. <laughs> Creepy pervert. <laughs> yeah, like what is wrong with the eight-year-olds? Um, but, yeah, so on Instagram and, yeah, like I, of course, I do human design readings and workshops and how we can use and classes on how we can use human design to bring awareness to parenting but also um, really liberating our true selves and empowering our true selves. But I also do mentoring and other things. I'm not I'm not just about human design. It's just a great tool. Mm. And you're an awesome person to talk to. So if <laughs> anyone needs some mentoring, Kim's your lady. Mm. Thanks, babes. All right. Well, thanks again, Kim. This has been an awesome chat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and, you. yeah, we'll sign off. Ciao, everyone. Mm.
Thanks for tuning in to the Road to Wisdom podcast. To join the journey, you can follow us on Instagram at theroadtowisdom.podcast and at www.theroadtowisdompodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We look forward to seeing you next week with more juicy content.